that's and that's your start of your morning, right? That's how you get your morning started. Started with a good cup of cyber. That's what I'm saying. Start it. Start it with your cup of cyber. Get your day going. Get things rocking, right? Get them rocking and rolling. A little weirdness on the bottom of the screen. I think this adjustment of the camera back there. As we updated things, that's okay. Today, Salt Lake City. Salt Lake City has our coffee, our Illy, wrapped up in goodness. We'll be able to enjoy enjoy our coffee as we talk about cyber news today. Alex is up and Adam taking care of dogs and, and goodness this morning, I think. Hopefully all is going well. Alex, we're doing great here at Cyber Recon National World Global Universal Headquarters. In Northern Virginia, keeping things keeping things moving, uh, keeping things going. Actually, have our first. Good morning, Paul. We have our first run uh, at a live session tonight for the RMF course. It's the first time we'll get the students and me together, and we'll talk about the first module, talking about risk management and getting ready for the RMF. The first two modules just set the stage. Next week, we jump into the first half of the prepare step. Like you know, we split that thing in two, prepare for the organization and prepare for the system owner. That's what makes sense. Yes, uh, Alex, Paul, it is, and Eric, it is Taco Tuesday. Talk. I grew up in Montana, and they have a place up there called Taco John's. I don't know if you... uh Ever heard of a Taco John's? But their motto was it's Taco Rific. Taco John's is Taco Rific. And I've got to say, Taco Tuesday is also Taco Rific. <laughs> Steel Cage Mac tonight. Uh, this is really going through. Covering any gaps that students have, they're going through the RMF course that something they didn't understand. Uh, introducing a lot of a lot of concepts in this first first two modules. We talk about NIST, we talk about the cap exam itself we talk about risk management we go over a lot of stuff so the first one is just getting ready um alex alex has uh got the steel cage match comment up there but eric i thought well, hopefully eric's excited about tonight we did move it back one night normally it's monday but we moved back one night because we had a student join at the last uh last part of the uh, first module so i want to give them time to catch up get ready to go it's not too late to join you can still join the class you can still partake in it uh the rmf 2.0 and nist 853 revision 5 uh of the control catalog this this week coming up not not this week right now but next week is the first big thing we're going to see with revision 5 when we start talking about baselines building baselines uh because our module talks about 853 bravo um, I don't know anybody's talking about that right now. It's in draft form right now, but it is the document that walks you through baselines and overlays. Um, did start doing some math last night on the number of controls, the number of enhancements, um, how many are in each, each different individual baseline. Um, it's got the normal baselines we've seen in the past, low, moderate, high, but it's also got a baseline for privacy. And the funny thing about the privacy controls is the privacy controls are not assigned to any baseline outside the privacy baseline. So low, moderate, and high, you have to use a different process other than baseline and determine 
if those privacy controls go into your low monitor high baseline. Um, obviously, we're not going to touch on the DOD or the national intelligence community's way of categorizing with their 27 step pro or 27 uh, baseline process with you know a individual categorization for low mod or for uh, confidentiality, integrity, and availability because they haven't moved into revision five of the control catalog yet. So it would be impossible to do that, but we can talk about the way they do theirs and it, it's a good, it's a good process. I do like the way the DOD and the intelligence community do their baselining. So that's a good thing. Um, DD's here this morning. Good morning, DD. Hopefully all is good upstairs. All is well and good um yeah that's that's what's going on that's that's what's going on at the headquarters here trying to get uh the most shoehorning the most knowledge we can into that rmf class and it, and it as we keep modifying it in flight as nist keeps dropping new documents right we talked about 853 revision 5 came out the draft for 853 bravo came out um there's a nist uh IR that came out that is talking about information security continuous monitoring and then uh, 800 137 alpha came out talking about the assessment of uh, information security continuous monitoring so a lot of this stuff as they're coming out we're shoving it into the course so that you get access to the newest information like last night I was sitting with the sitting with lovely D on the couch, counting controls, counting controls in the different categories and the different baselines in, in getting the numbers correct. It's always been a challenge to talk about controls. How many controls are in the control catalog? So I went through last night. To me, I count controls. I don't count enhancements because that's the term controls. We're not, and then that way, if you know the number of controls and you know the number of controls and enhancements, then you know how many requirements you have to implement. Um, and that's the numbers I'm going to have for you guys. I'm still working through it, getting the, the logistics out, and then exactly how many controls and how many controls and enhancements are in each of the families. Now that there's a whole, not uh, a lot of uh, new stuff in revision five. Um, yeah, it is, Alex. Alex is saying counting controls at night, much like counting sheep. It certainly was last night, trying to keep the numbers straight and the math straight. And I got to the point at the end, I couldn't even subtract 9 from 13. I had to use a calculator by the time I was at the end of the night because it was just uh, that kind of that kind of exercise. It was wearing, wearing me down, but I got the numbers, got to compile them. I'm going to get them into a PowerPoint presentation and avail obviously make it available to everyone. But we'll talk about it more uh, in, in the future. A bunch of stuff. For Tuesday, a bunch of little stories on Tuesday. Your cyber news. Here's what you got going on in your cyber news. CISA, as you know, my one of my favorite organizations with my least favorite name. They are out with their six plus one, or they're calling it the seven deadly sins of, uh, of computing right now. Um, it's what's going on that's going to get you in trouble. Let's see if I can fix this down here on the bottom. Nope. Mm. Looks like we'll just deal with that little fuzz at the bottom for now. We'll fix it a little bit. It's the top of the monitor showing up right, the, right there is the top of the monitor. Kind of weird thing. So 
talk about the seven deadly sins, um, and you guys are not going to be surprised. It goes back to patching your systems. So I like the way that this article was put together by the register, um, not just for the seven deadly sins that CISA talks about, but about a different way of thinking about your vulnerability and patch management programs, especially your vulnerability management. This is important. Um, you guys know that I, I think of um, these ransomware actors as, as, um, as business operators, right? I think they are business operators. I really do. Um, the second article really talks about that too. And one of the business principles is get to your core business function. And their core business function is, is wreaking havoc and making people pay ransom on things. Um, so they're looking at getting away from actually exploiting networks and uh, just paying for them, just buying exploited networks. It's getting to your core principles, man. Outsourcing everything else. Great. They operate like businesses. I'm telling you, they operate like organizations. Um, PDP botnets are all the rage. We'll talk about peer-to-peer -peer botnets and what's going on with them. And surprisingly, I was kind of surprised by this. Fairfax Public School, right here in Northern Virginia, huge, gigantic public school district, 220,000 students, about 25,000 staff members. Um, got last, last month, last month on the 14th, tomorrow, one month ago tomorrow, we were talking about Fairfax being um, taken, care, taken down by the maze, maze ransomware. And it just, it's a huge, could be a huge amount of data that was taken from Fairfax Public Schools. Um, I can probably have Mako, we'll link to that. We'll link up there to that story when we actually talked about Fairfax being attacked by maze. Um, and as you know, maze is the, is the first operator. 2020, they started doing this new thing where not only did they encrypt your data and lock it up, but they took a copy of it and then they, they gave you a double threat. One is you, you're not going to get your data back, right, until you pay the ransom. And two, uh, two, that was three really, and, and two, as the Germans would say, um, they'd post your data online if you don't pay it. Well, Fairfax didn't pay, so we'll talk about what happened there, at least in the little bit we know about. Not a lot of information's out. Fairfax County public school superintendent uh, issued a statement I think last night or the night before about, you know, what's going on, what's going on. And we got our holiday of the day. So that's what's going on. Dave's asking, I think, uh, I don't think it's worth, I don't think it's worth fixing. I mean, it's just, it's barely, it's barely down there. It looks like I've got a cool border on my, my screen. Maybe I do that on purpose, right? Um, I don't, I don't think it's on purpose, but Anyhow, no, thank you. I appreciate you thinking to come out, coming down, take care of it. No problem. It's not going to be a big deal. Not a big deal at all. So that's what's going on. That's what's going on. The one thing you guys know I'm going to tell you about, and that's this right here. Trivia night. Trivia night's just a couple nights away. We picked the topics. We got it ready to go. Um, finalizing things. 
shirt week of week of holiday shirts week of my tropical uh, explorer shirts um this is normal you guys know if you've been around you normally know this is the shirt we normally wear on trivia night so we're getting ready we're getting closer closer and closer to trivia night come out enjoy enjoy the night we got new swag i was kind of I, I left that blue cup over there got a cool blue cup um gigantic well not not as big as of course not as big as this this blue cup this big cup this thing's massive um but we do have a cool blue cup we had a cool bunch of blue cu cool cups we got some um rose gold ones too that came in some cool silver ones a bunch of bunch of cool stuff um this batch you know we're trying different different suppliers this one is turvis cups if you know turvis they make a lot of those a lot of cups people use in the summer at the beach that kind of stuff these are pretty cool so trivia night 7 p.m thursday night eastern right here on the youtubes go to cyber-recon.com front slash trivia give you the information all about tell you about Socrative. That's the tool we use to keep track of who's answering questions so we can get your points right. Uh, Mako is cutting out questions now. We, he's trying to get you guys stumped. You know he loves to stump you guys. So see how you do. Trivia night right around the corner. If you want to make sure you're getting all that information, make sure you hit the, the subscribe and hit the bell to be notified when we go live we'll go live about 15 minutes before seven that way we can get everybody synchronized to make sure that your socrative is working and all that good stuff um it is a great time if you haven't been to one you should come out it's it's no cost it doesn't cost you a thing and it's fun and you can prove your security chops Saying so 7 p.m. Eastern is Eastern Standard Time or is Eastern Daylight Time? Which one are we on? I always get those mixed up. Trivia night this Thursday, this thir two days away, the 15th, the 15th. Be there or be square, as they used to say back in Happy Days. I don't know if the Fawn said that. Somebody used to say that. Be there or be square, man. So that's what we got going on. Got that's kind of a, I'm a Australian or something all of a sudden. <laughs> It's Taco Tuesday, guys. Taco Tuesday. We'll see what other holiday it is. Are you guys doing taco? Doing taco. Oh, yeah. Let's go. It'll be fun and a good learning time. It is. Learn all kinds of trivial things. Um, kind of, we got one one domain. You know, it's four domains, 40 questions, 10, round, uh, 10 questions in each round, four rounds. One of them, we're going back and forth which way we want to do it. Um, We'll see. That'll be up in the air for you guys to try to figure out. So let's get that intro in, and then we'll get to the news. Do-do-do. Cool little intro in the morning. Your cup of cyber ready to go. So live live streams are always this is like live almost like folks that talk about live TV live streams you deal with all the the issues there's no post production there's no fixing stuff after the fact it's just if I make a mistake you guys you guys hear my mistakes yesterday there was man just a trouble talking 
I could not talk yesterday. So hopefully we don't have that trouble this morning. When we go to the news, I'll get a little bit of Illy in, a little bit Illy coffee to get going for the day. As you guys know, I love these guys, but I hate their name. I don't hate their name. I hate their acronym, SZA. Um, just because it's a, it's a certification. Um, so confusion, and if the problem is, it's a certification in the security field. Um, their bit rates higher. Oh, tell us, tell us, we're having a little bit of a connection problem. It doesn't look like the, there's any problems right now. We'll see. We'll see. Make sure there's nothing happens to that stream. YouTube screaming at me like, hey, you're having problems with your bitrate. Not going to mess with it right now. Not going to mess with it right now. Oh, man. So seven, the seven deadly sins. This is from the register. You know, the registers, uh, Brits, they uh, are friends across the pond, as they like to say. Uh, Brits run the register. It's got a lot of it's got a lot of funky news, but it's got a lot of good news as well. Um, Sean Nicholas. Uh, in San Francisco, reporting for the Register. Funny, a British British reporter in San Francisco talking about a agency that's out here in D.C. That's about a trifecta right there. So he starts off saying, if you're wondering which bugs in particular miscreants are exploiting to break into or attempt to break into U.S. government networks, wonder no more. And then make sure you patch them. Um, he's given the rundown of what is the the top. He's got the top six plus one um, things that are being used to exploit government networks. Well, there was no discussion about what's going on in the stream. I always have a separate side channel in case something breaks down on the stream. Like got that warning from YouTube, so I want to make sure there was nothing wrong with the stream. So Uncle Sam's Department of Homeland Security has this month identified at least six possible routes into the nation's computer systems and the method used to gain total control over the machines once inside, and then they list the six vulnerabilities. And I, you know, if you're watching, you, you if you're out here in Nova, the Northern Virginia area, D.C. and Maryland, um, you know, that's what Nova is, uh, you know, uh, Nova or uh, DMV. If you're out here in the DMV, sorry, if you're out here in the DMV, I'm like losing my, uh, my cool sayings, the DMV, uh, DC, Maryland and Virginia area, including Northern Virginia. Um, you're, you're probably maybe working around or with, or supporting a government agency, but if you're somewhere else, you may not be, um, and you may be like, well, what does this have to do with me? These same six deadly sins, plus one, <laughs> well, I just didn't call them seven. Um, I guess I know why. I guess I know why. The, the six are the ways in, and the seventh is that once you're in, this is the bad things you're going to do. So these are all in your show notes, and you list the CVEs. And there's six CVEs, or vulnerabilities, from 2019 uh, and 2020. So 2019, 2018, one of them. Uh, for Fortinet, Fortinet SSL VPN vulnerability from 2018 is on the list as well. So 18, 19, and 20, these vulnerabilities are out there, and they're 
unpatched on some systems. So giving these six, Netscaler, Mobile Iron, Pulse Secure, Palo Alto Networks, F5, Big IP, and as I said, the Fortinet uh, SSL VPN, these six vulnerabilities, if they're out there running and you have not patched these yet, you're in trouble, right? So you need to go, if you're in charge of, of security or risk or, or uh, uh, cybersecurity at your organization, information security, all these things, if you're responsible in any way, shape, or form for patch management, vul uh, vulnerability scanning, vulnerabilities, controls, anything at your organization, make sure, grab this list from the register. Go talk to your folks. Are you patched on all your systems for these things? Because this is how the bad guys get in. And once they're in, they're going to run this one, CVE 2021472. Um, and that's the zero login. That's a, the bad juju for Windows, um, the Active Directory gaining control, total domain level, control, level administrative control over your network. So they run an example here. For instance, we're told miscreants can use and have used uh, the Fortinet bug to obtain the usernames and plain text passwords of the SSL VPN users from the gateway's memory, then log into the VPN, and then use zero day to infiltrate the network's central nervous system, Active Directory. So what, what this article is really walking through is that MITRE attack framework. Um, it is the Lockheed Martin kill chain is the bow tie risk analysis method. It's, it's walking through what the attacker would do. First, they're gonna target your network. Do you have any of these six devices that I can touch from the internet? Do you have the Fortinet SSL VPN? Do you have Pulse Secure? Uh, do you have a Palo Alto VPN? Can I touch those things from the internet? If I can, can I run one of these exploits against it? Mm -mm. If I can run that exploit against it and I'm successful, like they talk about in their example, and I get the username and password, now I can log on your network. Now I've moved another step in. Now I'm going to guess, just being, you know, coming from the outside, if you haven't patched a vulnerability from 2018, there's a pretty good chance you haven't patched a vulnerability from 2020. So now I'm going to try zero login, see if I can get on your Active Directory. If I can get on your Active Directory and take domain administrative control, it's over. Um, game over, man. So they're just walking through, essentially they're walking through these six plus one. Um, and they're showing you, I can get in. Step one, I can get into your network. Step two, once I'm in your network, I can exploit another vulnerability to take over portions of your network. Maybe even use that to take all over all of it. And this is just the first of many things you should be doing. If you're in risk, especially, if you're in cyber or information security, you should be thinking about these things when you look at that monthly list of vulnerabilities. That's why it's important. Alex, you're going you're gonna to kick me on this one, that MITRE attack framework. Can you put the blocks in place, right? Do you have a list of all the vulnerabilities that are active on your network in the MITRE attack framework and where they sit on the network. And if they're lined up and all they need is one at the beginning and all of a sudden that one is made available and you haven't patched, it's not just that one 
vulnerability you have to worry about, if that invulnerability can lead all the way through this attack chain into your network and to compromise. That's really what this article is talking about. That's why I thought this article was so good. Uh, it didn't just talk about a specific vulnerability. It talked about chaining these vulnerabilities, vulnerabilities like the bad guy would do to not only, you know, okay, cool, they exploited, you exploited the VPN. Okay. But what happens next, right? What happens next in that kill chain? What happens next in the attack chain? Where are they going to go next? Where's the, and if you've laid that all out, and, and it's, you know, we talk about the MITRE attack framework. It's the same Lockheed Martin trademark kill chain, cyber kill chain. It's the same for a bow tie risk analysis, right? Bow tie risk analysis, we look at all the things coming in and all what we do to, to defend it. Um, and that nexus, that the thing in the middle they're going for, that the bow tie, and I, I, I'll, I'll show, share a link. There's an excellent presentation from a Scottish guy on the bow tie. Um, I share it with everybody I can. The bow tie essentially is all the things coming in the left side of the attack, how they get to the attack. The attack is the thing in the middle, and then how you react to it on the on the right side. And I know it's all backwards when I'm when you're looking at this video. Great, great video. I'll share it with you. It's like a, an hour long, but it's 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 done very very well. So CISA uh, um, CISA goes on to explain. Explain CISA is aware of multiple cases where the Fortinet um, SSL VPN vulnerability, which is CVE 2018-1379, a has been exploited to gain access to networks. To a lesser, lesser extent, CISA observed the threat actors using the mobile iron vulnerability CV 2020-15505. Um, while these exploits have been observed recently, the activity is ongoing and still unfolding. After gaining initial actor, access, the actors exploit CV 2020-1472 to compromise all Active Directory identity services. Um, that's not good. They, they, they walk through how to do this. You should be doing this. You should be, you're going to be, if you can start doing this at your job, maybe today in your free time, go look at the attack framework and start dropping these things in place. And if you can go to your CISO, if you're not the CISO, maybe you're the CISO. If you go to your CISO and say, I've laid this out. Here's where we're vulnerable. Here's the things we have not patched. And here's how they can walk their way in, being the bad guy. It might be a, a feather in your hat today. I don't know. Um, so the agency said, systems run by the government, great and small, love that, have been targeted, as well as private networks. That's that's it, too. Don't think it's just the federal government. Um there's a term I haven't heard before, um, or an acronym, I guess. This recent malicious activity has often but not exclusively been targeted at federal, state, local, tribal, and territorial SLTT government networks. Um, I'd, never, I'd never really heard that. I don't know if that's something they made up, or have you heard SLTT before? Although it does not appear these targets are being selected because of their proximity to election information, there may be some risk to elections uh, information housed in government networks. CISA is aware of some instances where this activity resulted in unauthorized access to election support systems. However, CISA has no evidence that, to date, that the integrity of election data has been compromised. Yeah, um, it's probably a target of, comp tar target of opportunity. If they see election data, they're probably going to go after it. Um, 
I think the guys going after the election are probably using things a little more sophisticated than some of these. But I guess they would use if they if they're available, they're going to use them. Um, SZA goes on to say organizations with externally facing infrastructure devices that have the vulnerabilities listed in this joint cybersecurity advisory or other vulnerabilities should move forward with an assume breach mentality. Assume your network's been compromised. If you go to work today and realize that you have this 2018 vulnerability on one of your uh, SSL VPNs, assume you've been compromised. Start, start at that point and start working back. Start cleaning up. Start working through your uh, disaster recovery process to see where you could have been exploited. Start doing some deep scans. Start watching egress traffic going out. See what's going on. As initial exploitation and escalation, escalation may be only observable ex exploitation activity, most mitigations will need to focus on more traditional network hygiene and user ma management activities. Yeah, network hygiene. Patch your systems. Um, that's one of our big things. I mean, we just need to get get everybody on board with patching their systems. Um, that's that's it, man. That's it. So CISA doing good things this morning. Next one's pretty short. Pretty short article. We'll cut cut through this one. You know, you know, I talk about this. If you've been here more than one, I guess more than one week, or probably every week, I talk about this. Ransomware operators are working like organizations. They're working like a business. They have business plans. They have goals they want to achieve. Um, they're they're struck well structured organizations. They're like they're like um, organized crime. They are organized crime. Honestly, they're no different. So ransomware operators is from ZDNet. Um, who's our author? Charlie Osborne. Yeah, I'm not sure who that is. Ransomware operators now turning to network access sellers in the in their droves to cut a difficult step in the infection process. It's kind of a bad, it's another bad sign. It's another bad sign of efficiencies being gained on ransomware, the, the bad guy side. On Monday, Accenture's Cyber Threat Intelligence, or CTI team, released new research on emerging cybersecurity trends, including an investigation into the nature of a relationship between ransomware operators and exploit sellers, saying that ransomware operators are buying network access points already compromised to infiltrate target systems rising in popularity, uh, including the purchase of stolen, stolen credentials and vulnerabilities. Um, so the ransomware operators are saying, our business is ransomware. Our business is not infecting networks. Our business is not compromising that initial compromise. We are ransomware operators. And it doesn't make sense, just like it doesn't make sense for a company that makes cars to also make its own toilet paper. They're saying they'll just buy that from someone. So it takes them a long time to compromise a system, but it doesn't take them a long time once they're inside and they're using their skill set to run the ransomware attack. So they're going to someone else. They're outsourcing that part of it. And there's plenty of people that are willing to sell it. So the article says, during the attacks, ransomware operators must first find an entry point into a network, uh, compromised employee accounts, misconfigurations in public-facing systems, and vulnerable endpoints, kind of like we were talking about in that first article, um, that may be used to deploy this particular family of malicious code. 
leading to the encryption of files, disks, and the demand for payment uh, in return for the decryption key or the you know threat of selling it. Um, they're saying the article goes, it's hard to estimate how many ransomware attacks took place this year. Because some people just don't report them. Um, and paying ransomware these days can reach six-figure sums, uh, more demanding the target um, based on their estimated net worth. Now ransomware groups are seeking to cut out the initial access stage of an attack, speeding up the process and potentially the opportunity to elicit revenue. So they're saying, you know, a lot of times these ransomware operators can get six-figure or seven-figure sums out of organizations once they run their ransomware attack. But getting access to a network, if you're buying access to a network that's already compromised, that can be between $300 and $10,000. So even if you're paying $10,000 for a compromise to a good network, you're cutting that piece out. You're As a bad guy, as the bad guy, now you can drop in Maze. Now you can drop in NetStalker. You can drop in whatever and pull data off and start encrypting that network. Bad, bad juju. They're, they're following business principles. They're getting to their core functionality and they're outsourcing everything else. That's what business has been doing. Mike is here this morning. Good morning, sir. Nice to see you this morning. Um, yeah, since 2020, the emergence of the now popular ransomware, data theft and extortion tactics uh, ransomware gangs have successfully been utilizing dark web platforms to outsource complicated aspects of network compromise. A successful ransomware attack hinges on the development and maintenance of a stable network access, which comes with a higher risk of detection and requires time and effort. Access sellers fulfill this niche market for ransomware groups. So yeah, they're... Um, it's crazy. Just it, why, if your business is ransomware, bad guy, organized crime, um, and you're organized and you ha think of yourself as an organization, why would you continue this long process that we can just you can that that when you could be running your ransomware attacks much faster? Why go through this long process if you can just buy network access from some other bad guy group? Uh, Accenture has tracked 25% of network access sellers alongside the, uh, the occasional one-off. And more are entering the market on a week weekly basis because they're finding a market too. So maybe you can get into, maybe your niche is compromising networks and maybe you can get two or three or four of them a week. And if you can sell them for $10,000, you're making your money too as a bad guy. And that's what, I'm gonna keep coming back to this. That's why people do this. They do this for the money. The bad guy does this for the money. And if the bad guy state sponsored, a lot of times they're still doing it for the money. We look at the uh, North Korean threat actors, right? They do it for the money. In an interesting twist, rather than selling off zero day vulnerabilities to one seller, some traders are using these unpatched bugs to exploit numerous corporate networks and sell access to threat actors in separate bundles to generate additional revenue. So that was the big thing. That was so, you know, last year. Finding a zero day and selling it. Um, now it's use that zero day to exploit networks and sell the network access. Uh, Citrix and Pulse Secure VPN clients are also being mentioned in the advertisements. So if if folks are, are exploiting the things on that first article, they're actually mentioning this is how we got in so that they can sell 
upsell their 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 goods. Network access sellers take advantage of remote working tools as more of the workforce works from home as a result of COVID, the COVID-19 pandemic. The symbolic relationship between sellers and cyber attackers facilitates continuous targeting of government and corporate entities and streamlining of network compromise process allowing cyber criminals to act quicker and more efficiently. Dangerous, man. So this combination between the two of them is so dangerous. Now we can see, expect to see, risk, risk folks out there, risk folks out there, expect to see an uptick in folks that are trying to compromise your network and just get that first initial foothold to sell that. So you're probably, there's if they're tracking 25 organizations, Accenture is tracking 25 right now, saying more entering on a, on a weekly basis because there's money to be made in this field, right? Expect to see more people doing it, more bad guys doing it, um, because there's a market to sell the, this, this network attack to now. Watch out, man. Watch out. Mike's asking, when Fairfax Schools was hacked? Um, it was made public the 14th of September. Um, we actually talked about it on that cup of cyber on the 14th. I think it was probably the 12th or the 13th was made public. We talked about it on the 14th of September, pretty in depth about <clears throat> what the network looked like. At the time, I was sure the school district would just be paying the ransom. As we'll talk about here in just a little bit, they didn't. They didn't pay the ransom. No. So that's what we're talking about on ransomware. Ransomware operators getting more and more sophisticated. They're getting more efficient at what they're doing. So maybe let's say let's say they let's say it takes four weeks to attack and four weeks to four weeks to attack the network and four weeks to compromise the the ransomware to run the ransomware exploit. Just crazy numbers. I'm just throwing examples out there. So instead of this four weeks where you're really not productive, you can't do your ransomware attack. And then finally, the four weeks you can do your ransomware attack. Now, if you buy that access, somewhere between $310,000, now I can run a ransomware attack one and ransomware attack two in that same time period, doubling your output. Uh, business, they're a business, man. They're running like a normal business organization. Crazy. Again, if you don't have ransomware on your list of risks. You're crazy at this point. It doesn't make sense. You've got to be prepared for that. You've got to be prepared for it. And yesterday we talked about because Cyber Command has started cracking down on like TrickBot and some of these other folks, the ransomware, the, the price of the ransomware, price of recovery is going to go up quite a bit. Um, the article we talked about yesterday from Cybercommand said normally the ransomware is 10% of revenue. Um, yesterday they heard chatter. Well, I don't know who the, I'm not sure who that they are, uh, but it was in the article yesterday that that attack price, that ransomware price, is going to go from 10% to 100% of revenue, and in some cases 150% of revenue. That's a huge amount of money, guys. That's a huge. But if they can get it, if you if your data Right. So one, you 
in that realm of where your data is going to be worth 100 or 150 percent of revenue, you probably have backup. You probably have done the rule of three, right? You've got three backups. It's on two different types of media, and one of them's offline. So you can recover your data. That's not the problem. It's a problem that folks like Maze take that data off, and then they make it available either on the dark net or, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, some of the operators are putting it on social media, throwing it on Facebook, throwing it on Twitter, throwing it on TikTok. I don't know where all they're putting it. So you almost have to. But now if you're an organization uh, and you have to pay 100 or 150% of revenue to stop that from happening, that may just drive you out of business. Crazy, crazy. Uh, Mike saying, wow, as an organization, you need to have that as a contingency plan to pay ransomware. Yeah, and a lot of people have, have went to cyber insurance. But as you know, if you don't know, when you go to cyber insurance, they're going to come in and do an assessment. Do you have security controls in place? The more secured you are, the less you're going to pay for cyber insurance. That's going to be pricey, though. Yeah, you have to build that in. You have to build that as a contingency. You have your risk, folks have to be thinking, they have to be thinking about ransomware. How are you going to react if you're hit? And that's why it's so very important. The biggest things, the three things. Um, number one, our number one article talked about it. You know, patch those systems. Patch them, patch them. That's really number two in our, our trifecta. Um, open connections, unsecure connections to the internet, right? Those RDP connections to the internet. Uh, Windows RDP or Citrix RDP connections to the internet that are just out there hanging out that are not on a VPN. They're not protected. Um, but they are protected. They're protected by an unpatched VPN. You're just in just as much trouble. And then training your end users. Those are the three things we've got to do as an organization. That's got to be built in. Um, we've got to have that. Oh, man. Botnets. P2P botnets are all the rage. Peer-to-peer -peer botnets have become the latest threat and boy, oh boy, are they spreading fast. Verified Chapo, I haven't seen you for a bit, man. Nice to see you back. Nice to see you in the morning time. Um, this is from Cyware Social. I love their little short articles. The vicious HEH botnet has surfaced and is capable of wiping every piece of data from infected systems. This peer-to-peer -peer botnet, written in the Go language, or Google's language, has been observed uh, targeting a variety of Internet of Things or IoT devices uh, with weekly or protected exposed Telnet services. Are you running Telnet on your IoT devices? Doesn't sound good. Stu Botnet is part of an SSH or Secure Shell targeting malware tool written in the Go language. Uh, as the Go language offers a wide array of community-supported modules, its increasing use points to a new generation of malware and capabilities. Go language is fairly new, but it looks like the attack community has just latched onto it. I've seen several articles talking about Go language. Go language is Google's language. Um, a lot of attack tools being written in Go. Uh, so other instance, Mosey botnet rose to prominence in October 2019 and still continues to attack IoT devices. This botnet conducts DDoS, or distributed denial of service attack, sends spam, and seals data, steals data. So it's using, if you don't know, we, we talk about IoT, so I'm not trying to insult anyone's intelligence here, but those IoT devices, Internet of Things devices, I'm just going to talk, I'm not going to talk about anything 
SCADA or anything, those operational technology things. I'm just going to talk about like your, your nanny cam. I'm going to talk about your cameras outside. I'm going to talk about your Amazon um, Echo devices. I'm going to talk about, you know, smart light bulbs. Um, Alex, do you did you think there'd be a day when you have to worry about patching your light bulb? Well, we live in that world. Every one of these devices has a little operating system on it. And a lot of time it's written in, in Linux. It's a Linux operating system. It's a derivative of Linux. Um, so these guys, some of these folks are all using all these devices as denial of service points of attack. So they exploit your unpatched light bulb or your unpatched camera or your unpatched thermometer or thermostat and they use it as part of their attack network, their botnet. Um, so this one, you know, it's using it for DDoS, sending spam, and it's stealing data. Because um, if that, again, if you've got Internet of Things devices, and many of us do, it needs to be on a separate network than your computers. You need to have that separated. We're going to have network segmentation. And whether that's two physically separate networks or it's, it's uh, VLANs, virtual LANs, somehow there needs to be a separation from your IoT devices and your main network. The Fritz Frog botnet is another based on the Go language, and it leaves no trace on the infected disk. It's attempted to brute force approximately 550 SSH, or secure shell servers, belonging to various sectors, including government, healthcare, and telecom. Its main purpose is to mine for cryptocurrency using the XM rig miner. Again, another reason they why they're going for going after your systems is to make money so they can use all your devices a bunch of them turn them into a giant bot net like we're talking about and make money mine cryptocurrency another one they talk about here is the p2p botnets are terrorizing, terrorizing cyberspace including kaji and irc flu uh, bottom line in this article as the threat landscape continues to shift, threat actors are shifting to newer tactics to exploit new kinds of attack vectors. IoT devices are under constant attack, thus organizations need to be cognizant of such threats. And there are IoT devices, um, SCADA devices as well, operational technology devices. But I'm talking the one we normally look at, small business, home-based businesses, medium-sized businesses. That's the folks we worry about a lot. Um, a lot of you know, government organizations have hope a lot of big organizations hopefully have this stuff locked down but if you don't be thinking about this iot are you have iot on your network network you may you may think you don't but you may you may how how are the how are the uh environmental systems at your business controlled i'll leave it at that how's that how's that those device how is that what devices are controlling your heating your air cat air conditioning all the hvac and access control stuff at your 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 organization. I don't know, you tell me. Fairfax Public Fairfax County Public Schools. And this is a surprisingly small article. And this is off Security Week from AP Associated Press, October 12th is when AP shot this thing out so yesterday Computer hackers who obtained information about Virginia public school district students and employees have posted the stolen data online, school district officials said Friday in an email to parents and staff. So obviously Fairfax said, we're not paying the ransom. I don't know how much it was. 
Fairfax, um, billions of dollars they have. Their budget is billions with a B. Because um, they 220,000 students in the school district. It's huge. It's a gigantic school district. That's just up the road north, north of me here a little bit. Fairfax County Public Schools didn't specify the nature or volume of data that was stolen in the ransomware attack last month. Attackers used ransomware software to steal data, threatened to publish or block access unless the target pays ransom. Very, very simplified version of the ransomware attack. The Washington Post reports that school superintendent, superintendent, uh, I feel like I'm the kid from The Simpsons, superintendent, superintendent Chambers. Um, the Washington Post reports that school superintendent Scott Brad Brabrady, Email Friday says, criminal cyber organizations known as Maze Group has claimed responsibility for the attack and posted the stol stolen data on the dark web. That's what Maze, Maze was the first one to do this. Maze is, if you haven't been around or if you haven't heard me talk about that, Maze has started a cartel. Um, they've got other groups that have joined them and their, their website posts not just stolen data from Maze, but stolen data from a number of other ransomware actors. It's a clearinghouse to post stolen data on the dark web. Brabend said the district was cooperating with Virginia State Police and the FBI. Of course, um, we're, a quote from him is, we're working around the clock to identify the information that was taken and will notify impacted inv individuals as appropriate. Well, go on the dark web. You'll see your, you'll see your information. He continues to say uh, only a subset of individuals included a limited number of students. I mean, if you're talking about 220,000 people, a uh, limited number can be quite large. Um, that was from Lucy Cladwell, who's the school district spokeswoman, spokesperson. Cladwell said the district will offer free credit monitoring services to all district employees and their spouses um, and any others who were affected. And that's really all. That's all they've said. That's all that's come out so far on this. Now, here's the numbers as I see them. Current student population is 220,000. Staff and administration is about another 25,000, right? It's not hard to say we just call that a quarter of a million. Let's just call that 250,000 for the math of it. Uh, now, think about this. The, the systems, the information systems of the school district probably have information of previous students as well. So if we think that there's 220 st students now, uh, would it be would it be out of order to think that this this system has half a million records on it? Records on half a million people? 300,000? 300,000 is probably well within the ra range of reason. How much did Mays get? How much data did Maze take off of this network? And how much have they posted onto the dark web? And what's going to happen with that data now? Now, obviously, the district, being as kind as it is, will offer free credit monitoring services. They have to. That's, that's the legal requirement. Um, depending how big this thing is, I, I, that's going to be a chunk of money right there by itself. So if you're in Fairfax, um, school district's going to have to pay pay some probably serious money to cover cover credit monitoring services. Maybe their insurance pays for it. I don't know. What do you guys think? What do you guys think of the school district? 
being hacked here. Man, ransomware, guys. Ransomware has got to be the number one threat most people should be worried about this year. I'm going to say next year, too. 2020, 2020 has brought us a banquet of bad things. This uptick in ransomware is just another thing to throw on the 2020 pile. 2021 is going to continue. It's going to continue in 2021. We know that just because it's coming. Man, ransomware is bad. Ransomware is awful. Awful stuff, guys. So that's the rundown. That's the four stories I found this morning. I was actually trying to cut it down. Like These were four I thought we had to talk about. I thought we have to. I thought we had to talk about this thing. Um, bring this back over here real quick. Antec Z7 Goat. Antec Antec 7 Goat. I don't know. You're a new person. I love new people on the chat. Ransomware pays. You're exactly one. You're 100% right. Uh, Ransomware pays. That's why. That's why they're doing it. Um, God, I, I got to look up who said this. One of the famous bank robbers were asked why, when he got caught, why he he robbed banks, and his answer was because that's where the money's at. So yeah, why do people attack other organizations with ransomware? Why is ransomware so big right now? Because it pays. Um, that's what they're doing. And don't underestimate these guys. Don't underestimate these ransomware attackers. You know, this whole vision, this this culture, this picture that we've got that a hacker is some antisocial 17-year-old kid in his mom's basement or 35-year-old kid in his mom's basement. That is not the case. I'm telling you that right now. Groups like these, groups like these APTs that we talk about all the time, these ransomware actors, they're organized, they're skilled, they're funded, they're doing things. Verified um, Chapo, um, my school district got hacked also. Uh-oh. What happened there? Did they release it? Did they pay it? What happened? Um, he's saying with ransom, ransomware. Like the channel, just found you. Keep up the good work. Thank you. I appreciate it. Appreciate your comments. That's what we're... If you're new here, I see a lot of people, the, the numbers jumping up this morning. If you're new here, know this is a community. This is a community of like-minded folks um, generally working in risk management, cybersecurity, or information security, and really here to help each other out. I serve as the facilitator of the conversation, bring the stories forward, and look for you guys to fill in the gaps that I probably am missing. Um, there's probably a lot that you guys know, like this, like Verified Chapo talking about this, the school district Verified Chapo went to was hacked with ransomware, right? And, and, uh, Antec Seven Goat. I probably I don't. I'm, if I'm messing it up, let me know. I'll, I'll mess up names all day long. If that is the case, um, you know, it, it's because ransomware pays. There's money in ransomware. There, it's just money, money in ransomware. There's, and it's gonna, it's gonna continue to pay until there's no longer money in it. And they found they keep evolving, right? They realize that if they attack some people and they lock up their data. Those people may have backups, and they just recovered a backup, 
and they're good to go. So, okay, well, I'll just, since I'm on your network anyways, let me steal sensitive data, and if you don't pay, I'll just post that. There's another threat. Mm. Nope, got it back up. I think the hacks were going uh, around Rockford business, hitting ransomware and demanding money for it to be taken off. That's, you know, early, the early days, until, until Maze did it, and Maze, as far as I know, tell me if I'm wrong, Maze was the first one to take your data off and then throw that threat on you that if you don't pay the ransom, we're going to post it online. That was the two-pronged attack I think Maze, the Maze group, came up with. The Maze group is the one that built the cartel. The Maze group is, is leading a lot of this stuff. So yeah, if you back in the back in the bad old days, or I guess back in the good old days of ransomware, if you had backups, you could recover. Piece of cake. Have good backups. Make sure, and and know this that if your backups are on the same network, if you've got a NAS or a SAN on the same network and your backups are going there, one of the first things a bad guy does when they get on the network is look for your backups, and they encrypt those too. So, all kinds of good stuff. Good new people on the channel. Hopefully, you can join us. Every morning at 7.30, we're right here talking about the cyber news of the day uh, within a couple days. You know, things came out yesterday, the day before. Trying to keep it current, trying to make it uh, a look into the news deeper than just what they're putting out. Um, again, Thursday night is trivia night, um, 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. Join us here. No charge to play. No charge at all to play. You can win prizes, but the biggest thing is you can prove your security chops. You know your trivia. Four rounds, ten questions, takes about an hour and a half, two hours. I'm going to say hour, hour and a half, but D will tell me that I am wrong, and it usually takes about two hours. We do an intermission break. It's a time to get with the, the cyber folks, the security folks you know, and prove your chops, man. Thomas, good morning. Very good morning to you. So you need to know besides just that. So if you haven't yet, hit that subscribe button, right? Hit the bell to be notified because that way you'll know when we go live. We'll be going live about 6.45 p.m. on Thursday. Get everybody tuned in. Get Make sure they got the Socrative app up and running or in a web, web page so they can answer the questions and get credit for them. Um, so hit that bell. Be notified. Share with your friends if you'd like to. We'd love to hear you share with friends. Obviously, comment in line if you're watching us live. Comment it live. Um, if you're watching this after the fact, comment in the chat box below. And also, if you just want this in audio-only format, it's on all the uh, podcast providers. It's out there in audio-only format. That'll come out later today. I posted about 9 when we're done here. It takes the podcast chat bots a little bit, or pod, the bots a bit to pull it off of the server that I push, put it onto. Uh, but it's out there. It'll be out there later today if you want to listen to it, if you ever miss it. Um, and want to listen to audio only. That's why I try to read the stuff that's on the screen. So the one thing you guys do need to know is what is the crazy holiday for today so you can talk about something other than cyber. Um, and that's uh, October 13th is International Skeptics Day. Or is it? Be skeptical. And I think this is more important now than probably any other time. Social media has the ability to sway hearts and minds like probably no other thing in the recent past. <clears throat> and it can be used for good. And I talk about this 
things like Facebook being able to notify people that if you're in a hurricane area or a tornado area or disaster area, you can post that you're okay on Facebook is a great thing. But it also can be used by the bad guy to sway your uh, cost, dissent, and turmoil, sway your opinion one way or another, and we see that all the time. That's not a good thing. So I need to, again, my quotes, I need to look my quotes up. One of the old Soviet leaders said, the West will sell us with, uh, the set, the, we will hang the West with the rope they sell us. And I think that rope is social media. Um, so when you look at articles that are talking bad about um, your political candidate or the other political candidate or something that's trying to sway your opinion, just be skeptical. Think about it. Is it true? Does it make any sense? A lot of time we're jumping in and we're listening to just things that echo our point of view, as they say, that echo chamber. Think of other points of view. Try to get to the facts. Don't just repost the cool meme that you see. <laughs> I like this one. Um, think about it. Use critical thinking in social media. We all need to do a little more of that. Good day for that, October 13, International Skeptics Day. That's what you got for today. Again, I can't say it enough. Please join us on Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. It's a great time. Great fun right here on this channel. Join a little early. If you need information, go to cyber-recon.com. Don't forget the dash. Front slash trivia. Tell you all about Trivia Night. Um, be here a little early. Get Socrative up and running. If you don't want any personal information at all given to Socrative, we don't gather it, but if you want to play the game and you want to use the Socrative app, which you got to do to get the prizes, um, you can do it in a web browser and you don't have to give any information away other than the name you want to use, which can be fake, um, and our channel name. So we'll have all that available. Glad you guys could be here this morning. Uh, it's a good crew. Great comments. Love to see the new folks. All thumbs up on a Tuesday. Um, go out there and go. The Bravos will tell you, Mike and Sierra will tell you, go get some. I'm going to take say, take care of your friends. Your friend. <laughs> I'm not going to say that because I can't. Take care of your friends, your family, your co-workers, and your organization. It's a community. Take care of each other. Be sure to uh, to do what you can for each other. Verified Chapo, coming across. I'll wait for your comment to come across. Uh, have a great day, guys. Good to see you again, Verified Chapo. It's been a while. You've been away for a while. So glad to see you back. Antec7Goat. Hold on. Tell me if I'm doing it wrong. Um, saying your name wrong. Anyways, good to see you this morning. Good to see all everybody else that's, that's joined this morning for the first time, maybe. Um, and haven't commented. Throw the comments out there. It's all about a community of folks taking care of each other. So anyways, until tomorrow. At 7.30, we'll be back here with the news. Thursday, remember, trivia night. And that's all i got to say. So take care of each other. We'll see you, and be careful out there.